Good afternoon, everybody. Yes, I'm back with another episode. Uh, so if you guys haven't been paying attention to the media in uh, the world of football, uh, some interesting stuff happened over in uh, New York City. So the Jets in the offseason made a big splash when they signed Le'Veon Bell, who was a free agent after the Steelers decided not to try to tag him again and just let him go. And uh, yeah, they made big splashes. They got the, you know, some say the best running back in the league. And uh, he was all pumped up about getting his big money that he wanted, blah, 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 blah. Well, he decided to skip voluntary workouts again because, but this time it's in New York, not in Pittsburgh. And he told the media via his Twitter account that this is no big deal. He's done it before. And that come January, no one will remember that this ever happened. This is a quote from, from him. And uh, that's just kind of like, one, come January, like he expects the 4 and 14 or 4 and 12 Jets to automatically become a playoff team because he signed with them. Um, sorry, one, you're not going to be playing in January. Okay. So hold your horses there. Two, this is just a dumb thing to do in general. Like, whatever. Like I, like I know they're voluntary workouts. I understand that. But I was watching the NFL Network last night and LT was on. He's an analyst on there. You know, Danian Thompson. Mr. Gold Jacket. He got a gold jacket in 2017. Okay, he's in the Hall of Fame. He's one of the best running backs I've ever seen personally with my own two eyes, right? I remember watching LT when I was younger, and I didn't know much about football then. I was probably like 13 or 14, and I knew that that guy was different than everybody else, right? You would just see LaDainian Thompson run, and you knew that guy was special, right? So he's one of the greatest running backs, again, in my generation. He said that what Lev Bell did by not showing up, this was on NFL Network, by the way, what he did by not showing up to establish team chemistry and camaraderie will come back to bite him in the ass. He didn't say that last part. I said that last part. But he did say that it will come back to haunt him. And I agree. First off, it shows that you're selfish. And we already knew that. I mean, if you're a Steelers fan, you've already known that. And that you aren't a team guy. You don't know anyone in that locker room. And instead of trying to show up and build that team chemistry and build chemistry with the second-year quarterback, and most importantly, learn your new offense, and on top of that, establish chemistry with the offensive line, you tell them, nah, I'm good. I'm going to work out on my own and do my own thing, and I'll see you when I see you. Anyone that thought that Bell wasn't selfish and the reason that he was doing what he was doing last year and that whole thing was just to get paid, you're, you're now dead wrong. He got paid. He got $27 million guaranteed, $13.3 million average over four years for a grand total of $52.5 million. So why the hell aren't you showing up? Who gives a shit that is voluntary? I don't. Last year, 
He had every right not to show up to anything. He didn't sign a franchise tag. And by the letter of the law, he wasn't on contract and therefore didn't have to show up to anything. And that's perfectly fine. And his reasoning behind all of that was that he wanted to get paid. And that if you paid me, I'll show up. Right? That was the whole argument. If I get paid what I want, I'll be there. That's what he wanted the Steelers to do. So now flash forward a year. He gets paid big money. Gets his guarantees that he wants. Plus an $8 million signing bonus. And what, what's, he, what's he do? What's the thanks that the Jets get? I'll see you when I'm required to show up. So minicamp? That's just a straight slap in the face of the Jets organization. They literally did everything they asked him to do. Instead of saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to return the favor and show up so that the team knows that I'm part of this team. He does the exact opposite. He says, I'll be there when I have to be. It shows me that his priorities in life are not football. He just lost a week of getting to understand his whole new offense, the line, the chemistry with the quarterback, everything. And by the way, an offense that they want to make Bell the focal point of, okay? Which is where I go now into this. So I saw an extremely interesting stat yesterday, and this is kind of what sparked this whole thought process behind my head of me talking about this. Because I'm honestly sick and tired of the whole A.B., Le'Veon Bell thing, but this stat made me realize how wrong this whole thing is going to turn out. And it's comical. So over the course of his career, Bell only faced a loaded box, so that's seven to eight guys crowding the line of scrimmage right on the defense side of the ball, 21.8% of the time. That is the lowest percentage in the league. Okay, by all running backs. So throughout his entire career with Pittsburgh, he's only faced an eight guys crowding the line of scrimmage, seven to eight guys crowding the line of scrimmage, 21.8% of the time. And the reason behind that is because when he played for Pittsburgh, the defense had to always account for Antonio Brown and Ben's arm talent. Because it didn't matter what package they were in, the Steelers could throw the ball to A.B. whenever they wanted to. So it would be stupid for them to drop a safety down inside the box and say, okay, A.B.'s single covered over the other side. That's dangerous. They wouldn't. That's why teams never did it, hence the 21.8% of the time. So now, you look at the Jets roster. The best wide receiver on the Jets roster currently, the two best wide receivers on the Jets roster currently are Jameson Crowder, who they traded for, or maybe not traded for, but picked up free agency either way, right? And Robbie Anderson. None of them are even A.B. in the slightest. Nobody is going to be that terrified of Robbie Anderson or Jameson Crowder. No one. So no one's going to double any of those guys. So there isn't a wide receiver that scares you to make you believe that you have to double him and that you have to pull a safety out of the box. Meaning you can now put as many people as you want the line of scrimmage. And in fact, we saw this last year when the Jets played the Bills. They didn't have James Crowder, but that doesn't change anything for me in my perspective of this. Last year when they played the Bills, the Bills almost always had eight guys in the box regularly. They were basically saying, we're daring the Jets to pass on us with your rookie quarterback. Right? And he 
couldn't prove that he could get it done. Hence the four and twelve, uh, the four and fourteen record last year, or four and twelve record last year. Sorry. So now you have a running back who saw a loaded box the least amount of times of any running back in the league, and you're asking him to run the ball consistently through a loaded front and be the focal point of an offense, something that he has never had to do in his entire career in the National Football League. He's never had to do it. The Steelers never asked him to run through the teeth of the defense because they were scared of of not only him, but they were scared of Antonio Brown. They were scared of the other weapons that the Steelers had in their offense. And having one, having a second-year quarterback who doesn't have the arm talent or the amount of, of basically skill that Ben Rosberger has. Not saying Sam Donald can't be as good later in his career, but guess what? You're not gonna you're not gonna make your your second-year quarterback who's trying to understand the offense be like, hey, we're gonna throw the ball a bunch of times. No, the reason they paid Le'Veon Bell was to be the workhorse back to take pressure off of Darnold to be able to run the ball more consistently. But what they didn't understand was what they're going to ask him to do is run through the teeth of defenses, which he's never had to do. And they have to play the Bills twice a year. The Bills who have a dangerous front seven, whose front seven is probably the best, one of the best front sevens in football. And they, they did it. They said, throw on us. We dare you. All year last year, twice, they said, throw on us. We dare you. And they couldn't consistently do it. Not because they have, they're bad at passing. It's because they, they had a young quarterback. They had a rookie quarterback. It worked. So their thought process behind this all is, let's get this guy. Let's pay him big money. He's going to be the focal point of our offense, something that he's never had to do before. I'm not saying it can't be done, but I'm saying what you are looking at statistically-wise tells you that when he did run, it was never into a loaded box, which means his patient running style, which we all know that Le'Veon Bell is, is basically trademarked of his patience of waiting for a hole to open up, that stuff can only happen when your offensive line can get to the second level, right? Or hold their blocks long enough for you to get to the second level. Well, when you're facing eight dudes in a box, that can't happen. Your patient running style will not happen because there are more people trying to get you than there are blocking for you, right? That's called math. So I'm sure they're going to come up with creative ways to get the ball to Le'Veon Bell in space or whatever, but having him run through the teeth of the defense in his patient running style will not work against a loaded box because guess what? He's never had to do it. 21.8% of the time was a loaded box. So 79% of all his snaps, all his carries, all his touches were from when nobody was crowding the line of scrimmage. There were maybe five guys in the box. So now that brought me to this next point. So then I wanted to know what pro football focus had to say about the Jess offensive line. Not even trying to brighten my day and make myself feel better. I went to the webpage and I looked at the rankings of all the 32 offensive lines in the NFL. Guess who was number one? That's right. Bell's former team. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Pro Football Focus had the Steelers offensive line ranked number one in the league. And this article came out about two months ago. Right? Now, where are the Jets in this conversation? So I had to scroll down almost to the bottom of the page. And that's where I found the Jets. 
And Pro Football Focus has them ranked 25th in the league. Their best offensive lineman last year, according to Pro Football Focus player grades, was Calvin Beecham. And his overall grade was a 66. So for all you Madden players out there, can you imagine your best offensive lineman has an overall 66 grade? I'm not saying that's how it works. It's not a Madden ranking, but imagine, right? Your offensive line would probably be pretty trash, which the Jets' offensive line last year was pretty trash. Hence their record. They were 4-12. and 12. So I'm afraid I got some bad news for you, Le'Veon Bell. The grass is not going to be greener at the Meadowlands. And not showing up to voluntary workouts, even though they are voluntary, is not a good way to try to win games with your new team or to establish to your teammates that you're there to win. Because the other guys that showed up to voluntary workouts, because guess what? They were people who did, because there's always people who did. They see that you're not there. And then automatically in their brain, it says, well, man, he just got here in offseason signed big money deal, but doesn't want to play or be here or do things. That doesn't make any sense. So, Ultimately, what I am saying is what they are going to ask Le'Veon Bell to do is not going to be able to be sustained because the guy's never had to do it before. He's had injuries where he's taken shots to his knees and, and been hurt. And they need to understand that the way that their offense is set up isn't even similar to the way the Steelers run their offense. And they don't have the quarterback play to sustain what the Steelers did. The Steelers would go empty sets, spread the ball out, and put Bell out in the slot, which is perfectly capable. right? But if you don't have an offensive line that can block and you have a second-year quarterback who's trying to learn the system, you got to get the ball out quick. Fundamentally, what you're going to see is Le'Veon Bell's stats are going to be just completely and utterly different from when he was at Pittsburgh. Just absolutely different. He will struggle this year. And for all you fantasy people out there, I would not draft Bell in the first round like people did so long ago. Because what they're going to do is try to make him the workhorse back and make him run through the teeth of an offense. And his style of running will not assimilate to that style. I can understand how people can think that it might work. But it's, it's just not. It's not going to be the same. There's too many factors, too many variables. What I just gave you, the statistical things of what I just said, will in fact change the way you see Le'Veon Bell. He will no longer be in that top five conversation. I guarantee you right now, you can write it down. He will not be in the top five backs this year because he just can't. He can't. It's impossible. Going from just the statistical average of you saying he's only seen loaded boxes 21.8% of the time in his entire career. 
in his entire career in the NFL. Now going to a place where they consistently load boxes, where they consistently say, hey, you, young quarterback, throw the ball. You're not going to run on us. You're just not. Which is fine. You can utilize Le'Veon Bell in the passing game. But when your offensive line is terrible, how can you get those blocks? How can you hold blocks long enough for people to get open? It's just not going to work out. It just is not going to work out. And I think it is laughable. And I think, honestly, the worst part of all this is not only is it not going to work out, but obviously the guy doesn't even want to be there. Right? I don't care who you are. I understand I'm looking at it through this like fan prism of, man, I, if I was getting paid you know, $52.5 million, I'd definitely want to show up and be that guy, right? Which I understand most some people don't feel that way. But here's the thing. Nobody wants to piss off anybody, right? The coach came out and he was like, they're voluntary. Because, you know, how ruthless the New York media is. He went out there at his uh, post-voluntary post, uh, voluntary workout press conference and they're like, where's Le'Veon Bell? You know, because the whole media waited the whole offseason for them to make a move and get this guy. Then he doesn't show up. And he goes... They're voluntary workouts. That means no one has to show up if they don't want to. We know where he is. He's working out. End of discussion. Right? He was like pretty pissed about it. He's pretty pissed talking about it. I'm sure he was tired of the media hounding him. But there's but there's truth behind that though. There's truth of why people are pissed. It's not a good PR move. It just isn't. It, it doesn't look good. Okay, New York is a rough media. They're terrible. They'll hound you every minute. And when you don't show up after they just paid you a boatload of money, right? Do you understand how that would piss off fans? Do you understand how that piss off media, right? Because they've seen this before. This isn't the first time that we've seen Le'Veon Bell skip something, right? When he skips something, he's usually mad about something, right? That's, that's what we have to go off of. That's what we've learned, right? When he doesn't show up, that means he's holding out for a specific reason, right? So that's what the fans know. That's what I've analyzed. That's what I've seen with my own two eyes, right? Which, even though it might not be the case, that's what's that's what they're worried about as fans, as media members. Like they're trying to write a story, right? It's the media's job to write a story. This story wrote itself. Right? Where are you, Le'Veon? We just paid you all this money. I know it's voluntary, but maybe you should show up because everybody else is here. And the coach just making excuses for it doesn't actually do anything. Well, well. It just doesn't. Him making excuses for Le'Veon is almost just as bad. Right? Because here's what's going to happen. He's going to do the same thing he did in Pittsburgh if you don't nip it in the butt right now. Nip it in the butt. Bud, not butt, bud, as in rosebud. That's that saying. So everyone who says it wrong, I'm saying it right. Nip it in the bud. There you go. If you don't, all you're doing is creating what the same thing in the same culture that you already did. You let him control how he wants to be there, right? If I'm that coach, I'm saying, I don't know where he's at, and I wish he would have been here, right? I'm saying that. I don't care that he's not there necessarily because it is voluntary, but I'm saying, 
out loud to the media, to the stratosphere, I'm saying, I wish he would have been here because we have a lot to work. We have a lot of work to do. Why can't anyone say that? That's what everyone wants to hear. Does, does, does no one understand that? Does no one in the media understand that or in, in, in football understand that? I understand the media probably understands it. I'm the one, I'm the one talking about it because other people are talking about it, right? Why can't a coach who's put in charge of players say, it's okay that he's not here because he doesn't have to be, but it would be appreciated if he was here? Because that's all anyone wants to hear. That's all the fans want to hear. That's all the fans want to hear out of that coach's mouth, right? Is I want him here because we need him here. We need him to learn this offense. We need him to get on the same page as everybody else in this organization, right? And when you're not here, even though it's voluntary, it would be a good idea to do so since you've never played here before. Right? It's, it's not a hard concept to grasp. It really isn't. It's he should show up because he's never been here before. He's only played under one system in his entire NFL career. Wouldn't it be nice to show up and maybe start learning things earlier so you're not behind the eight ball when it comes to minicamp and training camp and preseason? Because how many reps do you think he's actually going to get? Like physical reps. Like mental reps, he's going to get them. But physical reps, how many do you think he's going to get? In a non-contact scenario, right? Where you can learn. Because this volunteer workout is not contact, right? In fact, it's pretty much like they're in underwear. But that's it, still, it's still getting reps. It's physically, mentally going together, right? And, and when it comes to mini camp and, tr- and training camp, they're not going to let him get hit, right? They just, they just invested, they just invested $27 million guaranteed. They're not going to let him get touched. And the guy hasn't taken an NFL snap going on a full year now almost, a full year of zero contact and zero NFL snaps. Don't you think you should probably show up to learn something? Because you've been away from the game now for how long? You know, and this is, this is the thing that, that I already talked about a little bit too, but he obviously just doesn't have the desire because if he did, he'd be there. He's got his rap career. He's trying to be a rapper, which is, if you've listened to it, good Lord, it's terrible. I'm not like a rap expert by any means, but Lord, it's terrible. But he just has too much on his plate that he's trying to do. I don't think his focus is on football, and I think the Jets made a very big mistake. Especially when I talked about earlier about how the running back position is devalued because we've seen it being devalued. We've seen guys be able to get good running backs later rounds of the draft, undrafted running backs like Philip Lindsay in Denver, right? These guys that cost your franchise pennies. Pennies. And what, do you think the production's any bit different? Yeah, it might be a tad different compared to Le'Veon Bell, say Le'Veon Bell and James Conner, right, when they're both on the Steelers. Sure, the production's still different, but guess what? James Conner had more touchdowns than he ever had in a season.
James Conner had longer runs than Le'Veon Bell ever had in his career at the Steelers. More home run hits, more 20-yard runs, right, than Le'Veon Bell ever had. Sure, Le'Veon Bell was a dynamic player. I'm not taking anything away from him. He was a fantastic player. And he was his hands are amazing. Probably one of the best wide receiving or receiving running backs I've ever seen with my own two eyes, right? Marshall Falk-esque. But I can still get production from guys that I have to pay fractions of, fractions of money to. And I've seen it consistently throughout the league, right? We saw Alvin Kamara get drafted. He's pretty much a Le'Veon Bell. I think Alvin Kamara's a better wide receiver, actually. I think he's a better receiving threat than Le'Veon is. I don't think he's as good at, as the running back position. And they don't play the same style. But I think Alvin Kamara's a better receiver. And he's a, he's a Pro Bowl guy now. Two years in a row he went to the Pro Bowl. Like Kareem Hunt, regardless of the off-field stuff, I'm talking about on-the-field stuff with Kareem Hunt, right? He was another guy. I think they got him in the fourth round. You can consistently look at talent and what they've paid to get it, right? And it's on the cheap. Always. It's always on the cheap. It's easy to find running back talent. I think it is stupid to pay big money to a running back. Because I went over this before as well, right? Think about it from this perspective. If you draft a running back, right, say in the first round, which I think is stupid and horrible to do. Like, I take the scenario like that happened two years ago with the Jets, or with the Giants, right? They took Saquon Barkley, who was a generational talent running back. Can't argue that he's probably one of the best running backs in football currently, and he's still, he's still only going in his second year, right? And, but they have the ability to get Sam Darnold, right? A franchise guy. Right, who everyone said, this guy is going to be a franchise quarterback. And I think he is. It's still a little early to tell, but I think he is. So you have to pay those guys the same money because where you got them is extremely similar, right? From the rookie deal. And then what's the average lifespan of a running back? It's probably, I, I think I read a stat where it was three and a half years is the average NFL, is the average NFL running back's life. So let's just say you're on the plus side. Let's say you get five years out of him, right? So now you've paid a guy big money like Le'Veon Bell, right? $27 million guaranteed, right? You drafted him in the first round. You got all this money invested in him, and what, you only get five years out of him? How is that smart? How is that smart value, right? When you're a team like the Giants who needed a franchise quarterback two years ago, you could have drafted Sam Darnold. What's the average life of a franchise guy? I don't know. I'm thinking about three guys that were all drafted in 2004 who are still playing currently. Right? Three guys who were drafted in 2004 who are all still playing currently, right? And I'd say two out of the three are playing at an extremely high level. And if you guys don't know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about Ben Rosberger, Phillip Rivers, Eli Manning. Right? Franchise quarterbacks. Two out of the three have won Super Bowls. In fact, two out of the three have won, both won two Super Bowls. Two out of the three have been to multiple Super Bowls. Ben's been to three, won two. Eli's been to two, won two. Against arguably the greatest quarterback of all time, Tom Brady. So you're trying to tell me that logically it would make sense for you to draft a running back, a guy you only get five years out of, tops. 
barring zero injuries in, in five per, productive years, right? Five productive years at the top of your game. It makes more sense to draft that guy before a quarterback who, if he's just as good talent-wise at the position, I'm not saying what they do on the field. I'm talking about at the position, their talent is equal. If you say this guy's a general t- generational talent running back, generational talent at quarterback, why on earth would I take the running back? That makes no sense. It makes zero sense. Zero. Absolutely no sense. It makes no sense to pay those guys big money because I can consistently find talent at lower levels and pay them fractions, and they continue to put out and go to the Pro Bowl and do well every year. Every year there's a story. Every single year there's a running back story of some guy drafted or undrafted who's done well. You can literally go back and look at every single, 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 single year. The, like the Patriots find that guy every year. They get like a Rex Burkhardt or, or uh, uh, White. Right? All these guys that just, they just, uh, uh, what is it? White or, and, and then Deion Lewis, right? Undrafted. They find him. They just put him off the table and boom, he becomes a Super Bowl hero. So you don't have to do it. The Jets are stupid. It's ultimately going to fail. And I'm just going to sit back and uh, sip my tea and watch. So. That's going to be today's episode, guys. I'm uh, trying to do another one. I got a couple days off here, so I'm just going to run through some stuff, and uh, we'll keep it inter- uh, keep it all on the up and up with the current events and sports and going to do some more NFL talk as we start ramping up towards uh, minicamp and whatnot. So uh, thanks a lot, and I'll talk to you guys later. Peace out.